Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Wow. Um, yeah, Kenny, I, I was just finishing up this story reading this uh, deal about uh, this daughter of our new um, interior secretary. And you got to remember, the first thing this new interior secretary did when she came into office is she outlawed mining in almost uh, almost every case in Minnesota. She closed down, uh, well, her, between her and Joe Biden, they closed down, uh, I think it was uh, millions of acres right around the Boundary Waters, which outlawed almost anything. Now we've got this goofy thing going on in, uh, down in the Tamarack area where they can mine copper nickel down there, but they can't process it there. They can mine it there, and then they've got to ship it, which is going to be much more costly. They ship it over to the far end of North Dakota, where evidently they've got an area over there where they feel comfortable that they can produce or process it over there and then ship it from there to wherever it is that they need it. But we're 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 not doing anything in this country on a common sense basis anymore. Everything is based upon environmentalism and those kinds of things. Um for for these uh prior to the protest this woman was uh, this uh, daughter is talking about this huge protest she was involved in and here's what she said she said what what an honor it was to march with my pueblo kin last week for a people's fossil fuel week of action indigenous people are so powerful especially when we join together and share our stories no, she means they're very powerful when it comes to protesting. They can shut down pipelines. They can shut down processes. Um, prior to the protest, Halen's group said in an installment, we will no longer allow the U.S. government to separate us from our relationship to the sacred knowledge of Mother Earth and all who depend on her. We will not back down until our natural balance is restored. I wonder if any of those people showed up at the protest driving a car or a truck, and I wonder if they were all environmentally clean-burning products. In addition to her native heritage, Halen is a Norwegian descent. Well, there you go, and a graduate of the University of New Mexico. Uh, now, you would have thought with an environmental bachelor degree or something, but no, it's a degree in theater arts. It ties in well to protesting, don't you think? Secretary Halen has spoken openly after raising her daughter in a, as a single mother, giving birth four days after her graduation, also from the University of New Mexico in 1994. According to their profile on uh, PPAA website, that's that protest group they're involved in, Halen is also a poet and an artist. Bio says that they have also worked on several political campaigns since high school. It says that Halen's passion about empowering youth and creating art as a form of resistance. Oh, boy. Uh, they also said that the hate crimes involving LGBTQ people on reservations are are rarely investigated uh, and uh, so she's not happy with that, and there's other things. But her mother is, um, you know, comes out of a uh, very uh, uh, line of uh, protesters 
that uh, she's not going to be for anything that is going to grow any kind of natural resources or uh, help America to find more copper or products to build our futures, to build windmills or anything else. It's strictly going to be protest-driven research that comes out of this group. Anyway, uh, we got to take our first break here of our number two. We are into the afternoon ed- uh, edition here. And I want to remind everybody that very soon, in fact, uh, uh, coming up this uh, this next Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, is that special day. It's a day that uh, it's a day that you better remember, folks. It's a day called Valentine's Day. Hang on one second. I'm sorry, I was losing my book anyway. <laughs> My book was falling off the table. Anyway, um, we used to have that happen in the studio once in a while even. But anyway, with Valentine's Day coming up, there there might be something you want to buy that significant other of yours that you like a lot, that uh, you know has an influence in your life. Uh, somebody might like uh, sweets. And if they do, if you want to buy them uh, some sweets that they will remember for a long, long time, there's a place over in Superior, Wisconsin, a little candy shop in Superior on Tower Avenue, actually at 601 Tower Avenue, called Sweden Sweets. And they have specialized in homemade chocolates, fudge, and candy. They even have an ice cream bar in their store where they make their own ice creams and waffle cones. Valentine's Day. When I think of Valentine's Day, I think of love, I think of uh, passion, I think of uh, strawberries covered with chocolate. You know what? Uh, they even have heart-shaped chocolate bombs. These are these are like these uh, ball of chocolate that you can drop in hot milk or in hot uh, or hot water that explodes into the most incredible hot chocolate bombs you'll ever find. You can pre-order items ahead of time, pick them up when you want. Uh, you can order candy boxes filled with whatever kind of candy you think your special loved one might might like. And they've even got a variety of strange, uh, different uh, Japanese sodas that are altogether different tasting. You're going to love the uniqueness of many of them, including if you've got somebody in your family that loves bacon, they got a bacon-flavored soda, believe it or not. They've got chocolates, my God, they've got 50 flavors of popcorn, a wide selection of old-time and nostalgic candy, as well as many of the current favorites, and they got root beer on draft. You can make your own root beer float. So you know what? And you can even take time to watch many of the fudges and chocolates being made right in their kitchen, buy them right out of the window. Gigant- they got a gigantic window. You can stand there and watch this being done. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 11 to 7 p.m., and they're open Sundays from noon to 5 p.m. They have delivery options available. All you got to do is give them a call at 715-718-0713, and they will help you out with your Valentine's Day selections, courtesy of Sweden Sweets in Superior, Wisconsin. So we'll be right back. KDAL time is 1226, 27 degrees at the uh, Duluth Sky Harbor Airport, northeast wind at 8. So there's a wind chill out there of 19 degrees. Iron Range, Eveleth checks in, partly cloudy, 28 degrees, southeast wind at 12, and 28 turns into 18 on the wind chill in Eveleth. 
Well, Kenny, uh, this whole balloon idea has created a whole bunch of uh, people on Facebook that are that think they're cute. <laughs> I I got one this morning from a friend of mine, Paul, who sent me pictures uh, of what could be a balloon, but it's really the sun. And he says, spotted just north of Duluth this morning. Rumors is we'll see this about once a month. Don't if you see that on Facebook, don't be taken by it. It is not a a, a satellite balloon. It is the sun. So that's just the way it is. Anyway, um, Tom Bach. This I, you know I didn't get into this last week, and I really wanted to. So I'm going to try to do it today. Tom has written an editorial for the Star Tribune. Tom, uh, during his time as a senator in the state of Minnesota, was probably one of the more straightforward, realistic type of uh, senators, a common sense kind of guy. He used a lot of common sense. And he says in this uh, editorial in the uh, Minneapolis Star, he says, the mining withdrawal is the easy and irresponsible political response to a complex proposal. He said, in 28 years of representing northern Minnesota at the state capitol, I learned that the real failures come when we solved the complicated problems with oversimplified, short-sighted remedies. That's what we saw last week when the federal government, from Deb Halen, placed a 20-year mining ban on 225,000 acres in northeast Minnesota said uh, many many feel good uh, many uh said it might it make might make you feel good a historic step to protect the BWCA but the hypocrisy and contradiction with this nonsensical solution are mind-boggling if we agree that shifting to cleaner energy sources is a priority for our nation then this was a terrible short-sighted political decision it locks away one of our most potent tools for transitioning to clean energy sources, combating social and environmental injustice around the globe, and yes, also protecting the Boundary Waters Canoe Area wilderness from its most imminent threat, climate change. The ban is the result of political fear-mongering. It takes one of the one of the world's largest department deposits of minerals required for the low carbon conversion off the table without even conducting an adequate environmental review of any real and tangible proposed projects. So on one hand, excuse me, on one hand the administration sets an ambition agenda for producing clean energy here in the United States, shoring up domestic mineral supply chains and creating America's jobs. With the other hand, that same administration removes from consideration a domestic treasure trove of critical minerals, prolonged our reliance on scouring uh, metals from foreign adversaries, things like we talked about last week. The Biden administration has signed two contracts uh, with the Congo, which produces that those critical minerals, usually by child labor, digging it out by hands. Uh, so are we saying 
we want to protect the environment and we want to protect the people of only our country, but to hell with everybody else. That's kind of what it sounds like. This forces us to continue to rely on even more carbon-heavy energy to move those heavy metals across the globe from other foreign adversarial nations to our shores. How is that productive? We all support green energy, but we can't just pretend that it's just going to happen with the snap of our fingers. Just like that. Yep. It worries me that we're forgetting where things come from. Metals aren't only needed to make windmills and solar panels and electric cars, but also your phones, your laptops, your electricity in your home, and many medical devices and equipment. Everything that sustains life, uh, whether it's greener futures from farmers or whatever, comes from mining. And we should be demanding that these minerals be mined here where we can properly regulate the mines and enforce strong labor standards. Well, anyway, folks, we got to go to CBS News. I'll finish this up when we come back uh, right after this. I think that's a great idea. Anyway, we've got our friend Donovan from up on the range on the phone. Donovan, good morning to you. Well, good morning. That inch of rain we got over the weekend was really good. And uh, we got all of our beets out now and cooking and our green beans and wow. And uh, I got these special celebrity tomatoes. Wow, they are fantastic. Great. You know, they're one of the best growing ones in this area, I think, the celebrities. And with that soundbite from August 30th of 2021, in the second hour, we listen to Donovan. Donovan George Goblish of Gilbert, Minnesota, passed away at the age of 82 on Thursday, February 2nd. Braddy was a veteran of the U.S. Army National Guard. Ah, that's too bad. Yeah, I got... And he was a joy to talk to. He 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 always had just such a funny attitude. Well, I got a chance to meet him one time. Did you? He was calling either your show or Neil's show, because he used to call both shows. Oh, yeah. And they were selling uh, pasties for, I believe, the American Legion up there. Yes. And he said, oh, yes. we got, uh, you know, so many left here. And well, me and Neil got to talking and saying, hey, we'll take some. if you." And he drove down here. He came to the, <laughs> I don't know, I would imagine he had other things to do, I would hope. I would think. And I, I went think. out to the parking ramp here, and I met him, and I bought, I don't remember, I had a box. I remember I had a lot of pasties, and so I got a chance to meet him. But we lost Donovan at the age of 82 on Thursday, February 2nd. He really is going to be missed. I loved when he would call Brad and he would talk, oh, the birds are singing and the dogs are out. And, oh, geez, it was just, it was uncommon. But there was something that was just so refreshing. Something real about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was real. He loved his birds. He always fed his birds. He always had uh just tons of uh, bird feed going on out there, and he would always talk about his chickadees and different things. So, so real quickly, he uh, he was a uh, he served as district commander seven and eight of the Gilbert American Legion, and he was the state chaplain for three years. He was also interesting. Yeah, he was also a member of the Disabled American Veterans, the Eveleth Lions Club, Gilbert Planning and Zoning. He served as a Gilbert councilman for several years. He is survived by his wife Barbara. He has uh, 
uh, children, including some stepchildren, uh, grandkids, uh, great-grandkids, and uh, we're going to miss Donovan. Donovan, you're going to be missed, and of course, uh, that means Friday will uh, for sure remember Donovan by uh, playing taps for him. Well, uh, you know, that's the sad thing about this show is that over the years we have uh, we have met many, many people um, through the radio that have been regular callers, sometimes callers, and uh, and you get to know them almost like their family, Kenny, and it, it becomes oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. a very sad situation when they well, when they go. Around. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go back into the audio files, and it's somewhat of a daunting task. I, I'm finding these almost by accident. It's kind of a long story, but anyways, I uh, I'm going to look for more. I want to find one where Donovan calls and. Is talking about the birds because that was always a fun time. <laughs> you should be able to find one of them because that was almost every day. And he I was remember, talking about the birds. and there were so many times when he would call and you would start the conversation. Hey, Donovan, what are the birds doing this morning? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. Oh well, Donovan. Uh, for Donovan's family, he will be missed by you, obviously, but he'd be missed by the radio listeners to this show as well. So. Well, moving along, I want to finish the story up by Tom Bach before we go to our Minnesota news here. Um, He says, look, despite what you've been reading, this withdrawal does not add any further protections to the BWCA that didn't already exist. Mining has been banned in the BWCA and buffer zone surrounding it since the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Act was signed in 1978. Nobody has ever proposed a mine in the wilderness area. What's more, there are existing environmental review processes in place to to evaluate new mine proposals. In fact, Twin Metals Minnesota has been waiting for their environmental review for more than three years. Well, Tom, how about uh, Polymet? They've been waiting for almost a dozen. But instead of testing the proposed mine against environmental laws and standards, the government succumbed to political pressure, ignored the established process for agencies, tribal governments, and the public to evaluate mining pro- projects on their merits, and issued a blanket, decades-long a ban based on the basis of hypopolitical scenarios. The mining withdrawal is the easy and irresponsible political response to a complex proposal that is based on more than a decade of rigorous geological and environmental research. The executive order is not supported by a thorough environmental review. It can be and probably will be reversed by a future administration, and usually that's what happens. But let's hope we come to our senses before that and give the Twin Metals the review it deserves, the same courtesy that any responsible company in any industry hoping to do business in our state deserves. While we wait, the actual threat of climate change destroying the BWCA only gets stronger. And this was signed by Tom Bach of Cook, who was a member and leader of the Minnesota House and Senate from 1995 to 2023. And you know what? I respect Tom Bach's feelings and thought on uh, mining a whole lot more than I do some tattooed environmental freakazoid that can't even know if she's a male or female. 
I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. No, I'm not sorry. Anyway, moving right along, um, a couple of other things on this uh, on this balloon. Oh, I got to get to my notes here, Kenny. I'm sorry. I was looking for something else here, and I completely blew by. Okay, we got we got our friend uh, Jay Serb. Why are we? I guess we're calling him Jay Serb because he kind of has earned that name by serving everybody uh, through serve through uh, his company here in the Northland for heating and air conditioning. Uh, Justin, how was your weekend? Well, my weekend was pretty good. I'm sorry for skipping out on you last Friday. I was just sicker than a dog, and there is no That's way that I, I could be on the on the radio with you live with the kind of voice that I have. So, uh, so Kenny gave me a day off, and I was very That's appreciative good. of that. And I'm pretty sure it's something I picked up at, at basketball. I've been officiating a lot of basketball games lately. We're really short yeah. on officials, and. You know, if somebody's sick and we're all touching that same basketball, that's how things get passed around pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bet. Well, it only took you a day or two to get over it, so that's a good sign that you're a pretty healthy body other than that. Well, absolutely. I don't know a lot about climate change like some other folks out there, but I definitely know that I'm a man. And when you're a man in the heating (laughs) and cooling industry, you need to figure out a way to get better so you can get back to work. There you go. There you go. So... So, uh, you know, we talked about this last week. You are finding that when it gets cold like it was the last week, you do get a lot of additional calls uh, from people that are just worried that their system might be kind of on its last leg, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, the appointment appointment that I'm going on right now, I'm going to be going out to a pretty nice home out in the Woodland neighborhood, and it's a, a home of above-average square footage to the point where they have two HVAC systems in the house. I don't know exactly what I'm going to see when I get there, but when you get to a certain square footage level, whether it be above 5,000, above 6,000 square feet, then you're probably not going to be putting all your eggs in one basket with one really large furnace. You're going to have two HVAC systems in the house. And so I'm going to take a peek at uh, what the needs are. But, of course, in these situations, it's incredibly imperative that the size of the appliance is important oversized anything to do with forced air whether it's forced air heating cooling a ductless mini split it's important on the efficiency side for them to be right size but it's also important when it comes to their performance and their longevity sure that makes that makes absolute sense in other words you don't want anything too big you want it big enough to handle the needs of the home but nothing exactly. that's going to be wasting energy exactly you and i you and i could go out to my garage brad and we could tinker around and probably figure out a way to put a six cylinder engine on my riding lawnmower and it would probably <laughs> cut the grass pretty doggone quick at that point but we don't want something that big on a machine of that size that's only designed to handle a certain type of job So that's where sizing becomes important. And then the other element of sizing, of course, too, is utility cost control. You know, we have gas that we're using. We have electricity that we're using. And so we want to make sure that the cost of operation on the investment of a new heating and cooling system is the appropriate investment to make in the years ahead. Sure. Well, all of that makes sense. And if people are listening this morning and they're they're thinking, boy, you know, I haven't even given much thought to my system, but it's getting up there in age. If you're curious on uh, what kinds of things AirServe has to offer uh, and and how they might be able to take care of your needs for the next uh, 20, 30 years down the line, 
you know what? I'm going to let Jason explain to you how to get a hold of AirServe, how to get a hold of the company, and how to ask for an appointment uh, for the guy that really can walk you through the whole system and make you make some good decisions on your future heating and air conditioning needs. Well, Commandant, our telephone number at the office couldn't be any easier. It's 879-SERV-S-E-R-V, and our website is airserve.com, A-I-S-E-R-V.com. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you're uh, doing better. I'm glad you're back up and working hard. doesn't take, uh, you know, the guy gets out and does a lot of things like basketball. He's absolutely right. It doesn't take long. You're around all those kids. You're around uh, germs that are being spread. And kids don't like to miss their basketball games, so a lot of times they'll come even when they're sick. Not a good idea. Anyway, Kenny, the other thing that happened when we were thinking and talking about this uh, Chinese spy balloon last week was it made us think a lot about why, uh, well, it made me think about it at least. I don't know about other people so much, but it makes you think about why are we letting uh, sworn enemies to our country, places like the Communist uh, People's China, uh, why are we letting them invest in agricultural land in this country? And then right away, you're going to have people say, oh, Brad, they're not doing that. That's not really anything that we should worry about. Well, they did come up with a bill last week uh, in the House of Representatives, and they're going to move it along. Representative Louis Gomar uh, from Texas is one of the sponsors on it. He says, our adversaries continue to rob our country of wealth and prosperity under Joe Biden's leadership. Uh, We need security Uh, so that they don't continue to buy up our land. For example, uh, the bill points out that Chinese nationals have led foreign investments in homes in the United States for the past seven years. They have led foreign investments. Miller's bill notes that foreign companies and individuals have purchased 853,813 acres of agricultural land in her own state of Illinois. Purchases that are worth approximately $6.3 trillion. Now, why are they buying up all this agricultural land? Do they have... uh, Maybe a bigger plan that uh, they know our country is fairly free and open and just about anybody can buy land. So uh, the number two, barely number two financial country in the world comes in and starts buying up all our land uh, to take over our farming industry. That would not be good. Listen, we got a couple calls. It's uh, it's our caller show. So we want to go to first up Jeff from over in Superior. Uh, Jeff, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Brad. I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I find it interesting. And I'll share with you that I have, well, my brother is the chief of the Tomahawk Missile Program for the United States military. So he's very decorated. He's in a position of leadership now. He's a Ph.D. electrical engineer, so he knows what he's talking about. And I had a conversation with them over the weekend. And, you know, this could have been a ruse. They could have sent the balloon over because they what they really wanted to know was how we were communicating in our military, how yeah. uh, what choices we made uh, with regard to um, you know monitoring the balloon. It might not have been about the balloon at all and what it was doing. It might have been about something else. So it could have been a distraction. Right. So the military has to take all of that into account 
And when they advise the president, no matter who the president is, uh, these are contingencies they've planned for and prepared for. So, you know, they're on the ball. And uh, yeah. so that makes me sleep at night. I hope it helps you. But uh, the fact well, that it, it, dudes, it, it's good we're talking about it. It it does, and I'm glad we are talking about it. And yes, it was, um, that was one of the stories that came out over the weekend, actually, was much like what your brother said. One uh, MSN story said that, what if this wasn't really about the balloon at all? What if it was a, they didn't they didn't say uh, war balloon, but they said, what if it was just a trial balloon? Yeah. What if they were trying to gather military intelligence about how we would respond to something like this? Yeah. And that's what your brother was saying. Yeah, and that's what I think. But, uh, you know, time will tell. This, is, this has happened before, and they've responded without getting press about it, so... Yeah, I, I think the well, I, I, over Canada first was an interesting thing too. It went over, yeah. Canada, it went over the Arctic Circle. They didn't go over Russia because yep. you know they know what the Russians would have done. <laughs> so yeah, no kidding. All right. All right well, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be rather interesting. The the water depth I understand in the area where it was shot down is only about forty feet. Those first those shelves coming off of the Atlantic Ocean are not very deep. Some of them until you get out a ways, and if they can find uh, the components of this uh, balloon, if they didn't destroy it so much with the missile shot, if they can find components, they may be able to put it back together or at least parts Brad, of it back together. You know, this is prob- yes. this is probably electronic gear that's on this yep. balloon, right? Yep. And they shoot exactly. it down over a salt water body. Uh, the ocean, I, I I just, you know, they had an opportunity in Montana, other areas of the Midwest. My goodness. Well, I, I said that the first day, Kenny. I said uh, there are areas in Montana where you can drive 100 miles without uh, coming across anything but an occasional jackrabbit or, or uh, a hedgehog. I think something. you mean the jackalope, don't you? The, the mis- jackalope. The mysterious the jackalope. jackalope. Yes. <laughs> but there are areas there that they wouldn't have had to worry about, you know, yeah. ha- having any kind of populated uh, human spots. They could have taken it down. Plus, that would have stopped whatever was happening, whatever recording was going on all across the country. Anyway, let's go. We got to, you know what, we got to take our um, our Minnesota news break, and then we're going to come back with Tom from Port Wing. So we'll be right back. KDAL time, 1256, 27 degrees in Duluth, southeast wind at 10. There is a wind chill of 18 degrees, and Brad, uh, we do have some sunshine right now. Now, we're going to get some snow. We're going to get some, uh, some a chance of uh, some ice accumulation is going to happen as Ooh. well. We'll talk more about that as we go along. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, that was interesting. Uh, I want to get to uh, Tom before we run out of time here. We're, uh, Tom uh, from Port Wing, how are you this fine afternoon? Well, I'm doing just fine. And Good. I only have a quick comment about the Chinese balloon. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about that vote you were talking about earlier. But my comment on the balloon is that it does have the potential for some political uh you know, uh, ramifications for the oh, yeah. Biden administration, only because it it's a story that's not going to die easily, and it raises more questions every day 
been are answered. And that yes. can be a political nightmare for this administration. But <clears throat> my comment is about all those uh, Democrats uh, that voted for socialism or that they are socialists. Yeah. And, you know, it also comes back, uh, if you talk about this long enough, it'll, it'll circle back to China. But here's my problem with that, Brad. What is the, what is the, the reason why these people and so many of these young voters, you know, under 40, are leaning towards dem- what is called Democrat socialism, but it's nothing more than, than communism at the end of the day. And we've seen how many failed states have tried this socialism, and it oh doesn't work. God. And the reason it doesn't work is because it basically robs people of their will to succeed. And after a while, everybody's like vanilla pudding. You know, they don't have any drive. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all about just surviving, you know, yeah. being able to maybe buy a new pair of shoes at the end of the year. Uh, maybe I can, you know, I can have enough gasoline to put in my car. Uh, but that's not living. You know, that's barely no. getting by. And, and I guess my question real quick to you, because I know time is of the essence here, is what do we classify China as? Are they, what are they? What kind of a government are they? I think they're a, a communist dictatorship that is becoming harder and harder to really look at. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, you know, they, they have this <clears throat> half-breed idea of, you know, quasi-capitalism with, balanced with uh, North Korean dictatorship, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they want to make money. Uh, they want to sell things. We'll, we'll talk more about it when we come back with our number three. We'll be right back, folks.